they, they'd be as bored as you guys are with it, maybe. Probably lose something in the French translation. So that's that's Iba. So that's a huge part of their mission, their mission as missionaries in the Ivory Coast. And the other big thing I wanted to mention was the Children of Promise. They do run, Bobby and Jenny run the Children of Promise program in the Ivory Coast. Children of Promise is the Church of God sponsorship program uh, that is not just in the Ivory Coast, it's around the world. So you can, you can sponsor a child, and it's a monthly donation, in which uh, that child receives, of course, food and housing, but also education and biblical training. Uh, the way Children of Promise works is it's done through the local churches in, in the communities. So Bobby and Jenny are like, the, they're like the overseers, but it's run by Ivory Coast folks, like people. I personally, and I believe the chaplains also, we sponsor children from the Ivory Coast. And uh, I was actually, when I went on my missions trip with, with you guys, I got to meet uh, Quadro Akunju. So I got to meet him, and he was super shy and about the cutest kid you've ever seen in your whole life. So I encourage you, if you're interested in sponsoring a child, um, Children of Promise is a great missionary and sponsorship organization. So let's just take a moment and pray for the measles, shall we? Lord God, as we remember the measles, we, we support them, we send um, money to them monthly. But God, we now pray for them specifically. We're so thankful that uh, their kids came through typhoid malaria. We were praying for them. God, we're thankful for the ministry that is blossoming uh, in Children of Promise and also the churches that are growing. Lord, we know that the pastors need prayer too, the pastors that have gone to, to the, the West African Training Institute, Ibao there. Lord, I think about the pastors that we were interacting with as we built the church. I'm just, I'm just thankful, Lord, for, for what you're doing there. We pray for the measles that you would protect their family, but that you would allow them to have a boldness and a fire from you to continue to tell the good news of Jesus Christ to that nation, to those people who desperately need to hear from you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good stuff, isn't it? Good, good stuff. If you take your Bibles out and turn to the Old Testament book of Amos, that's where we are talking today. Amos. Last week we began our study of the Old Testament prophet Amos. And I, I mentioned last week that it might be a little bit bumpy. I also mentioned that it is very rare that you hear a, a pastor preach on the minor prophets in the church today. In fact, the only prophet, I think, the only minor prophet that really gets preached on in the church today with any kind of frequency is probably Jonah. There aren't just very many sermons on Amos. And I think that that is, that is really a big problem. Jesus himself said, the law of the prophets will never pass away. I mean, Jesus quoted from the minor prophets and, and the major prophets as well. The, the, the 12 minor prophets and the four major prophets. I mean, they, they were central to Jesus' understanding of the world, and he, he quoted from them. The New Testament writers quoted from the prophets all over the place. And yet, isn't it strange can you think of the last time that you heard a sermon from Amos? I mean, 
Maybe not. Maybe never. Well, if you went to family camp, the first night of family camp was Amos. So that was, that was good. I want to pray to begin this. Lord, as we open up your word today, it is with a sense of expectation. But God, this is going to have to be you. Lord, this is your word. How do we make this word applicable to us today? That, that's always the challenge. Help us, Lord, to hear from you. Speak, Holy Spirit. Amen. God is a roaring lion who judges, punishes, and destroys prideful, sinful nations. You know, when I preach, I try to make my sermons about, if I can, I try really hard to make it about one thing. And maybe if I do my job well, you remember at least that one thing. So I'm going to say it again, because this was the one thing from last week. So here it is again, because it's the same one thing from this week, but it's going to be with more detail. God is a roaring lion who judges, punishes, and destroys prideful, sinful nations. Take a look at Amos chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, what he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. Now, I, I got the timeline out last week, and I, I showed you where this fits on the timeline. I said that, that Amos uh, very likely preached in the year 760 B.C. So we're talking about something that happened a long time ago. 27, 2800 years ago. That's a long time ago. Over 700 years before Jesus is what we're talking about. A long time ago. Now, here's the thing. Why do Christians avoid the minor prophets today? Because I think, I think it's true that Christians do avoid the prophets, the major and the minor prophets. But especially the minor prophets, and I would even say especially Amos. Why don't we read it? I, I've been pondering that question, and I think, I think I've come to some of the answer. I think it's, it's really a couple things. The first is, when we read it, we don't have any clue what's going on. And so we're, we're reading it, and we're just like, why am I spending my time on this? Because you read it, and it's just like you're, I, it's like you're reading Chinese. I, like, what do you, what, what, how do you even know what this is saying? And so then it's super easy to get frustrated because you don't know what's going on. The second reason I think Christians today don't read it is because the bits and pieces you do understand don't fit with who you think God is. <clears throat> and so you read it and you're like, well, I thought Jesus said, bring the little children to me. Like, what? I thought Jesus was like super nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that God loved us and that, and that I don't understand like all this stuff that's happening that just doesn't match who I think God is. And so I think you take those two things together and people are just like, I'm going to go back to Matthew. Right? Oh, that, this is, oh, for unto us a child is born. Oh, I like that much better. Right? I think that's what happens. 
And so I think pastors know that, and it's super hard work to preach in Amos because it's almost like I'm trying to teach you a different language. Well, we kind of are. So here's what we're going to do today. And I, I am hesitant um, to, to go here because I'm going to actually try to help us understand. And that's going to be challenging. And I risk losing you, like losing your attention. I risk somebody snoring in the middle of what's happening here. Uh, for those of you at home, I'm not sure if you're snoring or not, but I hope you're not. At least you can hear me, that's good. Alright, so here we go. Amos. Amos was from the southern kingdom, and I said this last week, so I'm not going to rehash everything last week, but I want you to get this part. Amos is from the, the village of Tekoa, that's right there, right? Tekoa, I mentioned last year, is part of the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, here's what I want you to get, and actually, if you've got one of those Excel spreadsheets I made for the timeline, I've handed those out, they're like, there's green and there's red on there, I actually found an error, which isn't surprising. So you're going to need to correct something on your, on your little spreadsheet. The first is this, Amos on that spreadsheet, oh look, someone's got one, a couple people have one. Yes, you've got your little, your little sheet. I've got on the back there, and if you don't have one of those and you want one, just talk to me, and I'll give you one that's like not messed up. The messed up part is you'll see on the back side of the list of prophets, I don't have Amos first. So that's a mistake. Amos is the first of the prophets. And not just the first of the minor prophets, Amos is the first of all 16 of the books of prophecy in the Old Testament. Okay, so Amos is supposed to be first. The second error is... I have on that sheet that Amos was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah. That's the red kingdom, or the orange kingdom right there. That's actually wrong. Amos is from the southern kingdom of Judah, because Tekoa is a small shepherding village about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. See, Jerusalem's right in the middle. See that? But Jerusalem's part of the southern kingdom. Tekoa is a little village about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. And I was thinking in my mind that he was a prophet to the southern kingdom, but I was actually wrong. Amos is a prophet to the northern kingdom. So here's what that means. Amos was a missionary. Amos was a missionary that was from the southern kingdom, but God sent him to the northern kingdom. Now you remember the times of Saul, David, and Solomon, like I said last week, those two kingdoms were one, but they split into two after Solomon. And they'd actually been split into for 170 years by the time Amos comes on the scene. I talked about all that last week. If you want a more in-depth discussion of that, watch last week's live stream recording. Now, this is what I want you to get. Amos is a missionary from the southern kingdom to the northern kingdom. At this time in history, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, even though they were brothers, so to speak, they didn't like each other. So I need you to understand, Amos is going as a missionary into a country that doesn't like him. They don't like each other. In fact, Israel and Judah actually fought battles. They had wars against each other. At this particular time in history, they were not actively fighting. But they didn't like each other at all. Right? Now, also I mentioned last week, the northern kingdom of Israel was experiencing a time of Prosperity. In fact, the borders had been expanded and they were more prosperous at this time in history, at 760 BC, than at any time since King Solomon. So, 
The time of Jeroboam the second was a time of prosperity. So now think about Amos. Amos is being sent as a missionary from the southern kingdom to the northern kingdom to a kingdom that doesn't like him and during a time of great prosperity. And God gave Amos a message. Now the message that God gave Amos was not going to be very popular. The message he was going to give them is one we're going to get into. But the short version of the message is God is about to judge you because you are a sinful nation. And God is a roaring lion. Right? What did we say? God is a roaring lion who judges, punishes, and destroys prideful, sinful nations. So I got a question for you. What tactic would you have taken if you were Amos? You're going into a foreign country that doesn't like your country. You need to say a message of warning and destruction to a group of people that were more prosperous than they've been for 200 years. What would you have said and how would you have said it? Now you need to understand, all that stuff I just told you is stuff you never knew about the book of Amos. Right? I'm, I'm just taking a guess. Do you see now how much more clear it becomes and what to look for as we read just by understanding some of these contextual details. Now, how does Amos start his message? And I want you to think, how would you have started your message? Right? I want you to think, if you were Amos, how would you say this? Amos chapter 1 verse 2 says, he said, the Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. God is a roaring lion. He's not a, he's not a, a very timid little, little guy, right? Now this, this, isn't, this doesn't fit because you know what Je how Jesus is presented in the New Testament? Bah! It's a little lamb, right? And so we read that God's a roaring lion, we're like, but I thought God was a lamb, the lamb of God, who tend to, right? Like that, right there, we're like, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? I don't know what to do with that. Can I suggest something to you? God is a roaring lion. And a lamb. We've only been looking at the lamb part for a long time. Time to look at the rock, the roaring lion part. Now, you see that it says right there? The Lord roars from Zion. That's the hill in Jerusalem that the temple in Jerusalem is on. Jerusalem is the southern kingdom, right? The Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem, the pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. You know, when the grass withers and the top of your most famous mountain in the northern kingdom dries up, you might want to take note. Something's going on. But now look what Amos does next. When we go into this next thing, I want you to understand the definition to a word. It's a word you think you know the definition to, and you probably do. It's a word that doesn't get used anymore today in our country. Not really. Sin. Here's a word we don't talk about anymore. Because we wouldn't want to offend anybody. Right? We wouldn't want to judge anybody. We wouldn't want, and I agree, we shouldn't be judgmental. But we got to talk about sin, y'all. 
we got in this country. Sin is a willful, rebellious act against God. A willful, rebellious act against God. Now, of course, there are many definitions of sin. You know, hamartia in the New Testament, the Greek word means missing the mark. Yes, lots of definitions for sin. But when it comes to Amos, sin is a willful, rebellious act. Now, I want you to look. We are going to read, and I'm going to explain this first chapter in Amos. Are you ready? Here we go. Amos chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath. Because she threshed Gilead with sledges having iron teeth, I will send fire upon the house of Hazael that will consume the fortresses of Ben-Hadad. I will break down the gate of Damascus. I will destroy the king who is in the valley of Eben and the one who holds the scepter in Beth Eden. The people of Aram will go into exile to curse, says the Lord. Now, we read that today and we go, what is going on? I have no clue. That is completely unhelpful to me in the 21st century today. That is meaningless, and I don't know what to do with it. So might I explain it to you? Is that okay? All right, here we go. Dave, please put the map back up, would you please? Just go back to that slide. Now, when I explain this to you, my hope is that you're going to go click and have a light bulb moment. Remember, what I want you to do is think about, if you were Amos, how would you start your message? Okay? How would you start your message? Now, in Amos chapter, chapter 1, verses 3, it says, the Lord, this is what the Lord says, for three sins of Damascus. Who sees Damascus on the map? It's way up in the top right-hand corner. See that? Damascus. Damascus is a city. It's a city, and it's part of Aram. See that? Oh, Dave, you got the pointer there. That's cool. It's part of Aram. If you circle Aram, Dave, with your thing there, Damascus is the capital city of the country of Aram. Now, he also mentions Aram right here. So do you see that? So turn the lights back on, Dave. Now, if you read through that, the question is, why is God angry and why is he judging? In other words, what is the sin? What is the sinful, rebellious act that the city of Damascus and the country of Aram are doing? Well, if you read it, it says, because she, she threshed Gilead with sledges having iron teeth. Well, you've got to know what Gilead is to know what's going on. <coughs> Gilead is a region of the northern kingdom of Israel, the region that is east of the Jordan. So let me, let me help you out. By the way, if you want to go and look this up, if you're at home and want to rewatch this, go look at 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 28-29, and 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 1-7, through because that is the description of Damascus attacking Gilead. And when they attacked... They were brutal. And they weren't just brutal to the army. They went in the villages and they crushed the people. They did horrible things to the northern king, to the Israelites. They did really, really bad things. The way that Amos talks about it, it says it. She threshed Gilead with sledges having iron teeth. 
These people of Damascus went in and they did horrible atrocities to the people of the northern kingdom. And you know what happens when you do that? People tend to remember that. People tend to remember when you do horrible, awful things to other people. The northern kingdom Israelites remember. Now, imagine you are in, you're in the northern kingdom and this guy comes up from the southern kingdom, right? Uh, who's this guy? Right? Well, what's he going to say? And the, he gets up and he says, Listen to me, Israel, northern kingdom of Israel, listen to me. And he says, The Lord is roaring from Zion. Oh, here we go. It's those, those Judah, those southern kingdoms saying that only God is in Jerusalem and not up here. So he's probably going to say all these bad things. But then, but then his first thing out of his mouth is, The Lord is pronouncing judgment against Damascus. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I want God to destroy Damascus. They're jerks. Do you remember what they did? Oh, yeah. They crushed us with the sledge. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like what this guy's saying. I like it. Preach it, brother. Yeah. God's going to come and smoke those people in Damascus. By the way, Damascus, Abraham, also is called Syria. So if you ever hear the word Syria, not Assyria, but Syria in the Bible, that's Abraham. Okay? Now, Next one. Verses 6 through 7. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Gaza, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because she took captive whole communities and sold them to Edom. I will send fire upon the walls of Gaza that will consume her fortresses. I will destroy the king of Ashdod and the one who holds the scepter in Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron until, until the last of the Philistines is dead, says the sovereign Lord. Put the map back up there, Dave. Where's Gaza? Does anybody see Gaza on the map? You'll see it? See, there's Judah. To the west is Gaza. Gaza's the city in the country of Philistia. And you recognize the Philistians, or should I say Philistines? Now, there's a word you recognize. The Philistines were the ones that, like King Saul and King David, fought against. Do you remember? They are the country, Philistia, and the capital city, Gaza, is the country to the west of Judah. And what was their sin? Well, you can see. They captured Israelites, entire communities, and sold them as slaves. They sold whole communities as slaves. To who? To Edom. Anybody see Edom on the map? Lower corner. The Philistines sold them as slaves to Edom. That's their sin. God's saying, I'm going to judge you for that sin. Now, look at chapter uh, 1, verses 9 and 10. This is what the Lord says, For three sins of Tyre, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because she sold whole communities of captives to Edom. Disregarding a treaty of brotherhood, I will send fire upon the walls of Tyre and will consume her fortresses. Put the map back up there, Dave. Where's Tyre? <coughs> North. See, you got way up north. Tyre. See that? And what's the country? Phoenicia. By the way, the Phoenicians, they invented the alphabet. Remember that? Okay. This is the Phoenicians. That's Tyre. And what was their sin? It was the same sin as the Philistines. They took and took slaves and sold them to Edom. Okay, so God says, I am going to pronounce judgment on Phoenicia, on the capital city of Tyre. I'm going to destroy them. Now, think about this. If you're an audience member and this 
this missionary from the southern kingdom comes up to you and says, I'm going to pronounce destruction oracles on Aram, Philistia, and Phoenicia. You'd be like, come on, preach it. Yes, I like this guy. I mean, he's from Judah, so he's a little bit questionable. But I like this guy. I like what he's saying. And that's not all. There's more. Let's take a look at verses 11 through 12. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Edom, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because he pursued his brother with a sword, stifling all compassion, because his anger raged continually, and his fury flamed unchecked. I will send fire upon Taman, and will consume the fortresses of Bosra. There's Edom. Go back on the map. Look again. Now, we've already heard about Edom twice. Why? Because they were accepting, they were buying slaves from Philistia and from Phoenicia. Now, Edom, Amos refers to Edom as a brother. Anybody know why? Why, is, why does he call Edom a brother? Because the nation of Edom comes from Esau. Jacob and Esau. Edom comes from Esau. So why does Amos call Edom a brother? Because Jacob is where Israel came from. Esau is where Edom came from. They're brothers. And so you've got Edom buying Israelite slaves, their own brothers, and pursuing their brother with the sword. In other words, they fought against him. And God says, I will destroy Edom. Now, if you're in the northern kingdom of Israel, you're like, oh, now, now you're not just sitting down. Now you're standing up. Yes. Yes. Listen to this guy preach. This guy's called by God. God's going to come and destroy all of these people that are just terrible. I hate these people. But wait, there's more. I feel like I'm selling a Guinness new knife. Right? <laughs> if you're over the age of 40, you're not going to understand that. Yet. Okay, well, here we go. Here we go. Verse 13 to 15. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Ammon, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because he ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to extend his borders. I will set fire to the walls of Rabbah that will consume her fortresses amid war cries on the day of battle, amid violent winds on a stormy day. Her king will go into exile, he and his officials together, says the Lord. Ammon, put the map up there. Where's Ammon? Well, let's just take a look. You got the map there, Dave? Yeah, he's back. <laughs> there you go. Okay, I know it's a little bit hard to see, but Ammon, where's Ammon at? There it is. Exactly to the east. Ammon. So he, he, what was their crime? Did you read it? Did you read it? What was their crime? They ripped open pregnant women to extend their borders. Now, if you are in Israel, do you suppose he might have kept this one as closer to last for a reason? Because if you're in the northern kingdom of Israel, you're like, that's what they did. They came in and they ripped open the bellies of pregnant women. To extend their borders. You know what that means? During a time of war, they came in and they, they literally cut them off. Now, if you're in the northern kingdom, and Galid again, remember? Galid is that area east of the Jordan that is the northern kingdom of Israel. If you are there and you hear that, and you hear God's going to destroy the people of Amman, do you know what you do? Finally, justice. Finally, justice for all of those innocent lives. Those women that were killed and the babies inside them that were killed. Justice, finally, for these things. 
Finally, God is hearing us. Finally. And, and it took a missionary preacher to come and tell us this. And I get he's from Judah, but I like this guy. He's really good. He's really saying good stuff. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Moab, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because he burned as if to lime the bones of Edom's king. I will send fire upon Moab and will consume the fortresses of Kiriath. Moab will go down in great tumult amid war cries and the blast of the trumpet. I will destroy her ruler and kill all her officials within him, says the Lord. Moab. Now, if you go back to Genesis, you will know that Moab and Ammon are actually brothers. In the same way that Israel and Edom are brothers, Ammon and Moab are brothers, but from Lot. Remember the story of Lot in, in Genesis? Lot's boys became Moab and Ammon. They were brothers. And so what's the sin? What's the sin of Moab? The sin is they went to Edom into the grave of the king and they destroyed the body of they, they desecrated the king's grave do you know what God says that's not okay that's a sin that's a willful rebellious act against which you know you're not supposed to do that you just don't do that right now look at the map Where's Moab? There it is, right above Eden. Now, listen, here's the light bulb moment. Are you ready? Are you ready? To understand Amos in a way you've never understood before. It's all the nations around him. It's all the nations. Phoenicia, Aram, Ammon, Moab, Edom, Philistia. The entire first chapter, the entire first message that Amos gives to the northern kingdom is an oracle of God's judgment against all of the nations around them. Listing their sin and saying, these are the willful, rebellious acts that these nations have done, have committed against God. And God will judge them and they will be destroyed. Now if you are sitting there as a northern kingdom person living in, in this time of prosperity, this time when your country is as big and as strong as it's ever been, what do you think you're thinking? That's right. Yep. Mm -hmm. We are it. God is blessing us so much. We have, we've won all these military victories and now God sends a missionary to us to tell us that all of the nations around us who have given us fits for the past 200 years, now we have arrived, we are God's blessing and God's going to destroy them all because we are God's chosen people. I like this prophet from <coughs> Judah. I like what he's got to say. Man, this is good stuff. You know, it's really interesting to me. If you just stop and think about this just for a second. What's going on here? Because remember, God, Yahweh, had a, a covenant with the people of Israel. Remember, through Moses. It's a special covenant. 
Israel was God's chosen people. God made a special covenant. The Ten Commandments are the first ten stipulations of that covenant. God had a special covenant with those people. With the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, God had a special covenant. They knew when they committed sin because they had God's law given through Moses, right? Think about this now. Think about it. Think about it. None of the other nations around them had that. How did they even know they were sinning? They didn't have God's law. They didn't have the Ten Commandments. They didn't have Deuteronomy. How would they know? And if they didn't know, how could God judge them? They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets of Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now that sounds confusing, but think about it. There is a law that God has written on every human's heart. Whether they have heard about this or not, it's written there. Now I need you guys to get this. The only way that God could justly judge the nations around Israel and Judah is if they had violated that inner sense, that inner conscience that is given to all human beings. Let me say it in a different way. People know right and wrong. Even if they haven't read one word in the Bible. And they can be judged by God on that inner sense that God has pre-put hardwired into us as human beings. First, remember? Slave trading. 
pursuing your brother with a sword, killing pregnant women and their unborn babies, desecrating the graves of your brothers or enemies. There are some basic things that all humans know are willful acts of rebellion against God. So you need to understand, once again, once again, put yourself in Amos' spot. Put yourself in the spot of the people that were hearing Amos. If you're in the northern kingdom, you think his message is great, right? But what is Amos doing? You guys, he's setting the stage. Because as soon as those northern Israelites say, that's right, preach it, you're right, those people need to get judged by God. Yeah, yeah! Where do you think Amos is going to go next? <laughs> I'm going to read it, then we're going to be done today. <laughs> Amos chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. Just when he had his, his audience was eating out his hand, they were loving everything he was saying. Oh, now listen to what he says. This is what the Lord says for three sins of Judah, even for four. I will not turn back my wrath, because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his decrees, because they have been led astray by false gods, the gods that their ancestors followed. I will send fire upon Judah that will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. Now notice this time, this matches Romans 2, doesn't it? They have the law, so they're being judged by the requirements of the law. Right? They're being judged by the requirements of the covenant that they've made with God. See that? If you are an audience member sitting there in the northern kingdom, listening to this prophet from Judah tell you that, do you shift in your seat a little bit? I mean, I like the fact that he's condemning Judah, but something doesn't seem right. Something seems a little off. Why is this prophet from Judah just pronouncing God's fire on his home country? Guess what comes next? Starting verse 6. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of... All of a sudden, the book of Amos makes a lot more sense. He's getting their attention. Because these people are the ones going, yeah, kill the Edomites. They were slave traders. My great-uncle Herman got traded as a slave to Edom. Yeah! I hate those people in Ammon. Yeah! The Philistines are horrible. Ah, God should blast them with fire. Yeah! For three sins of Israel, and even for four. By the way, that three sins, even for four, what's three plus four? The number of completeness in the Bible. Seven. Their sin has grown to maturity. Their sin has become complete. It is ready harvested. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Israel, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, 
Now listen to this. All of the other nations up to this point, one sin was listed. One rebellious act against God. But now listen to Israel's list. They sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as upon the dust of the ground. They deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken as pledge. In the house of their God they drink wine taken as fines. How many sins is that? How many sins is that? The number of completeness. For the Israelites, God just names all seven. Their time of judgment is upon them. They are ripe for God's holy judgment. I destroyed the Amorite before them, though he was tall as the cedars and strong as the oaks. I destroyed his fruit above and his roots below. I brought you up out of Egypt, and I led you for forty years in the desert to give you the land of the Amorites. I also raised up prophets from among you, from among your sons, and Nazarites from among your young men. Is this not true, people of Israel? Let me paraphrase that. I rescued you. declares the Lord. But you made the Nazarites drink wine and commanded the prophets not to prophesy. I rescued you and you have profaned my holy messengers to you and have purposely chosen not to listen to them. Now then, I will crush you as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. The swift will not escape, the strong will not muster their strength, and the warrior will not save his life. The archer will not stand his ground, the fleet-footed soldier will not get away, and the horseman will not save his life. Even the bravest warriors will flee naked on that day, declares the Lord. I bet you could hear a cricket in the crowd when he got done with that. And by the way, what, what is the judgment? The judgments upon Israel's military. The military during their time of prosperity that had just won all the battles. The military upon which they were putting their trust. It's good to have the best military in the world, isn't it? I can feel really comfortable with that knowledge. Can't I? Well, I'm just talking about Israel. God makes clear, I'm going to destroy the thing that you think is your security. Because you have purposely chosen to forget my rescue of you. You have purposely chosen not to listen to my messengers. Not to listen to my warnings. And I'm telling you what you've done wrong. You've denied the poor. You've sold people for money. You deny justice. Father and son use the same slave girl. Could I, could I translate these? Let me translate these. How countries and individuals deal with the weak as a nation 
matters. 16 million children have died by abortion since 1973. 60 million. You think God doesn't see that? Do you know how many people were killed during the Holocaust in World War II? Six million. There have been 16 million abortions. Ten times the number of babies have been killed that there were people who died in the Holocaust of World War II. Ten times. How countries and individuals deal with the poor as a nation matters. Have you considered the debt practices of our nation? Have you considered the predatory lending that happens? Have you seen the divide between the haves and the have-nots? Just getting wider and wider. The top 1%, I don't want to be all political here, but just listen. The top 1% have vastly, vastly, vastly more than the bottom 75%. You think God doesn't see this? You think God doesn't see people struggling at the bottom while people with means do almost nothing? Do you see? Because God does. How countries and individuals deal with sexuality matters. A father and a son have the same girl. You know what that means? That is sexual deviancy. You think that that doesn't matter? You think that God doesn't see that? He does. How we deal with God's messages to us matters. And when we purposely turn a deaf ear to God, He notices. It matters to God. It matters enough that God sent Amos as a missionary to Israel to tell them, to warn them. And by the way, God did destroy them. He wiped out their military. And 38 years after this pronouncement, the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed and has never been since. <coughs> For three sins...
from their willful, rebellious acts. God, we need you. It's gotta have you. Sometimes we don't even know where to start. I pray for the United States of America. I pray for us, the church. If we are not the salt, there will not be salt in this nation. We'll be judged.